From the Centre for Advancing Journalism at the University of Melbourne, this is The Arn. I'm Clancy Balin. Over the past three weeks, we've looked at how humans and animals swarm together. On some gut level, it just makes sense to come together as a species and as part of our environment. But we don't always get it right. If there's one thing humans love, it's doing things en masse, from fashion to collecting data, building algorithms, and even social contact, we always seem to demand more from each other. Sometimes finding the balance is difficult, and at its worst, it's dangerous. This week on Swarm, our journalists investigate that dark side of swarm behaviour. These stories have been produced as part of an upcoming exhibition with the Science Gallery Melbourne and were developed together with mentors from All the Best. In our first story, Yue Zhang looks at how the tide of European fast fashion coming into China has changed the way young women see themselves. Although it's not summer in China, a swarm of young women are wearing crop tops, short cleaning skirts to show off their slim waist and long legs. They call themselves BM girls. BM is short for Brandy Melville, an Italian clothing brand targeting teenager girls and young women. BM clothes is characterized by short, small, and bare. It also has a controversial strategy of one-size-fits-all. Now, this style is sweeping through China. Many people try to go on extreme diet to have good figures so that they can become BM girls. Here may come many questions. Why BM clothes can hit big in China? What these young girls have suffered in order to wear these clothes? Not everyone can easily become a BM girl. There is a widely spread graph on Weibo named BM Girls Ideal Weight Chart. According to this chart, a 160 cm BM girl should weigh no more than 43 kilograms. Yu Xuanhe, a 21-year-old college student in China, shares her story with BM clothes. I'm a huge fan of Blackpink. Jenny has a great sense of fashion, and she loves wearing branding Melif. I can wear the same clothes as my idol. I use app to keep track my daily calorie intake. I limited it about 1,000 calories per day. I often drink milk and eat an egg in the morning and eat lunch at the student canteen, but I would be careful to eat less rice, probably less than a fistful, and I eat salad at night. Yu Xuanhe is 163 cm tall and 48 kg weight. After calculation, her basal metabolic rate is around 1,200 calories, and even she has no exercise, she still needs about 1,500 calories a day. I used to think BM style is quite suitable for me when I walk down the street wearing my BM clothes. People just will turn around and look at me more. I used to like to share my daily outfits on my Weibo account. There is no doubt that Chinese social media has accelerated the prevalence of BM clothes. I have followed a fashion blogger from Bilibili website. She overshares some clothing brands, including BM, so I know it from her. This is Luli, a 24-year-old woman. She doesn't go on an extreme diet, but she keeps in shape 
by exercising intensely on a daily basis. I exercise regularly every day for two hours. When I see people who shares their BM outfits have better figure than me, I will feel very nervous. After BM clothes hitting big in China, more doubt has been raised. Are these clothes really suitable for young women in China? Should people criticize this girl's crazy behavior of keeping in shape, or is their right to chase this beauty trend? Visiting its official website, you will be surprised to find that the bust size of a crop top is 14 inches, and the waist size of a denim skirt is 24 inches. So some Chinese criticize the prevalence of BM has something to do with Chinese traditional aesthetic of pale, young, and thin. But beauty should be defined in diverse. But as for those who benefits from BM style, think that they just chase the beauty trend and they are willing to pay the price. Chen Yuma is studying post-feminism in the University of Sydney. She has some thought on BM girls. Some people believe that women's judgmental self-objectification is caused by Chinese males' preference for such women in terms of sex from male gaze. So, entering a post-feminist media culture, some people who use liberalism to emphasize that this aesthetic is their freedom of choice. Clothes only is not a problem. The issue may be about how they show these clothes or how they judge those girls cannot wear such small size. The sudden popularity of BM style in China is a complex phenomenon. It shows Chinese young girls willing to pursue beauty, but this fashion trend of being extreme skinny causes many criticism. How to define female body in a diverse way? How to respect female rights to pursue beauty? Are still problems in China. That story was reported by Yue Jiang. In Australia, we have a fierce loyalty to our military past. The Anzacs are national heroes, and our veterans command respect. But there's another side to our defence force that often gets overlooked by the public, and that's our production of security and defence, or in other words, weapons. In this next story, Maya Pilbrow investigates the role that Australian-made weapons are playing in human rights abuses across West Papua. Making and selling weapons is a billion-dollar industry. The side of it we see in Australia is very sanitized. Think slick-looking ads with stylish color grading, spouting buzzwords. The glossy ad campaigns don't mention the death and destruction Australian weapons cause overseas. A group of dedicated activists is exposing the reality of Australia's weapons trade and calling for collective action to put an end to the devastation. People might not be aware that Australian weapons are being sold to Indonesia and that these weapons are being used in West Papua, and they also might not be aware that the Australian SAS are training Indonesian special forces and that the Australian Federal Police are training Indonesian special police units. One of our closest neighbours, West Papua, is currently involved in a decades-long brutal struggle for independence from Indonesia. 
It's a vastly one-sided conflict, with the Indonesian state benefiting from the support of foreign governments like our very own. Make West Papua safe. It's a very targeted campaign to support peace and justice in West Papua by slowing down or hopefully stopping the flow of weapons and training that come from foreign governments and corporations to the Indonesian army. Make West Papua Safe and Wage Peace are two activist groups fighting to bring recognition to various human rights abuses in West Papua and around the world. Part of this battle is protesting arms conventions like Land Forces 21, which is being held in Brisbane this year. So Land Forces is a great big weapons dealing event where hundreds of weapons corporations and defence professionals will get together and spruik their wares to militaries and police forces. Land forces is where the deals get done that result in war crimes in other countries, including West Papua. So why do we, as Australians, have such a blind spot when it comes to our actions overseas? Uh, Australians generally don't pay attention much to what's going on with militarism. But we're using disrupt land forces as a type of campaign to um, to bring people's minds together to see what is happening in the weapons trade. We all need to educate ourselves about like, oh, hey, this is happening. Australian have a culture of denial. I mean, look, look for the local Indigenous people themselves. There's a dark history made by the, the colonizer in this country and it comes the same with other countries that Australia being involved with the, with, with the colonization. So There's been a media blackout on West Papua from the get-go. Australia is very complicit in the genocide that is happening in West Papua. For the Australian government and the Indonesian government, that information is something that they don't want out there. So... They've gone to great effort to make sure that any media on the issue is silenced. It's starting to be heard a bit more now, and, you know, things are escalating there at the moment. But, yeah, it's been a long road for West Papua to get an international voice. What can Australians do to hold our governments and corporations responsible for the blood on their hands? We can bring this story up here, especially in Australia, with, with the privilege we got, and we can ask straight away directly through a company like, hey, this is happening. Are you are you accountable for this? This is your bullet. West Papua will be like a little cage, a little Pacific Palestine. And yeah, it's a plea for, for West Papuan people to ask for international community to be politically active and involved to support West Papua independence movement and also to bring justice to human rights violations in West Papua. Ultimately, I don't want there to be a weapons industry. It's a kind of hangover from patriarchal kind of my guns bigger than your gun, colonial conquest. Yeah, take the toys from the boys. How can we show solidarity and unity in a world that profits off violence? There's people within the arms manufacturing industry, there's people in the docks, there's people loading the ships, there's people all the way along the chain of supply, there are people. And those people can make a difference. Those people can choose not to partake in the war machine. They can choose to halt that production and to stop this genocide continuing. And it's through direct action, it's through actually taking physical action that we can do this. Reporting there by Maya Pilbro. 
In our final story, Julie Barman presents a series of conversations about an experience that is deeply personal, confronting, and tragically, extremely common. That is, the experience of sexual harassment. The story contains discussions around sexual and verbal harassment, so please take care while listening. A few weeks ago, on a sunny Saturday, my friends and I had actually made plans to go out for a few drinks and a dance. And so I remember um, waiting all week long for it to be finally Saturday because it's something I'm always looking forward to. And I know going out together is always so much fun and everyone is always such in a good mood then. So on that Saturday, we decided to all get ready together in the changing rooms of where we had played hockey that day. And so we listened to songs, we talked, um, we all got ready together and we were also having pre-drinks. And when it was finally time to go, we were all super excited and ready to have a fun night. So we decided to catch public transport to head to the city. I was waiting at the tram stop and a guy came up to me and said that he liked my sweater. First I just thought he was being friendly, so I just kind of said thank you and then he kind of kept asking me questions and just like answering kind of bluntly and like walking off and looking down on my phone um, and he would like follow me when I would walk down to one like end of the train station and then he started asking for like my number and like my Instagram and Snapchat and I just said that I don't give them out and he was still just like wouldn't leave me alone like he was asking if I wanted to go over to his place for like a barbecue and it was like super uncomfortable because obviously I was like walking off and he was like following me but then he ended up getting on the same tram as me and I was freaking out so I ended up getting off the tram like a few stops after. I was catching the train, um, a man got on and he came and he sat in the seat next to me. He said to me, can you hold my phone? And I didn't think really much of it and I said, oh yeah, sure, I can hold your phone. And um, he kind of bent down to tie up his shoelaces and then as he did that, he said, can you read what's on my phone? And I said, oh no, that's that's okay and he said no no read what's on my phone and he kind of touched my hand and he moved the screen so that I could see it um and the screen was open um it was open on notes but it said something about how hard his dick was and how when he saw me like he got erect and and all these vile things and you know, the the moment that I read it, I probably kind of was in shock and I didn't really believe what I was reading. All I kind of saw was the word dick and, and I just gave him back his phone and he just sat there. So we got off the train and we walked into the nightclub ready to just dance all night long and have fun. A friend of mine, whenever he'd have a little bit of alcohol, he'd just, like, lose control. He'd get argumentative, he'd get angry, he'd get a bit touchy-feely, um, and he'd probably just lose the sense of self. There was this one night I can remember, we were up um, in the middle of the club in the R&B section, and everyone started disappearing, like... People go to the bar, people go to the bathrooms. It would just be the two of us. He started dancing a little bit too close and touched somewhere that shouldn't be touched on my body. And I wasn't asking for it at all. I was a bit too afraid to confront him because I didn't know, like, what to say. But when I finally did, he got quite angry at me and upset and quite defensive, saying, oh, it's only the alcohol, like, I'm not that type of person. But he just didn't realise that. Every time he kept drinking, he kept losing himself 
and then he just kept making silly mistakes. I was just at a party and I was getting with this guy, like we were just kissing and then all of a sudden he just grabbed my hand and put it down his pants and I just remember like I just froze. I just had no idea what to do. Um, I felt so uncomfortable. I just stood there and no words would come out. Like I couldn't say anything. I just didn't know what to do. And then after I didn't tell anyone because I just felt so embarrassed. Like I thought all the girls are going to think I'm gross. All we wanted to do is actually have a fun and nice night together and not worry about anything else, you know. But instead, we were swarmed by men once again. And I say once again because this is not just something that happened to us once. No, this is what a typical night out for any female wanting to just have fun with her friends is like. That report was by Julie Barman. My name's Clancy Balin and you've been listening to The Yarn. The Yarn is produced at the Centre for Advancing Journalism at the University of Melbourne. Our three stories were reported by Yue Jiang, Maya Pilbrow and Julie Barman. Our executive producer for this series is Louisa Lim. A massive thank you to Eugenia Zubchenko and Danny Stewart from All The Best Radio for their help in producing this week's stories. If you like the show, follow us, rate us, leave a review or even share it on Twitter. Every little bit helps us get the show out there and we really appreciate it. See you next week.